Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. It's a fantastic Thursday. We're going to be talking a little about soil testing today. Now, right away when you hear that, you might say, oh man, this is kind of a boring topic. Or you might think, you know what, I got somebody else that kind of takes care of that stuff for me. I don't really need to worry about it. But let me just say this to start the show. This could be the most important thing that you look at over the course of the next year. I'm not, and I'm dead serious about that. I'm, I'm talking about above and beyond everything else, above your equipment purchases and your herbicide purchases and seed and everything else you've got going on on the farm. This could be number one for you, soil testing. Where I'm going with that is you think about your most valuable resource. Other than you, the most valuable resource on your farm is your soil. And if you can invest your dollars wisely, you're going to build your soil up. And it's going to be phenomenal for you in the short term, but especially in the long term. So we'll talk about that throughout the show today. If you've got any questions for us, just give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. All right, let me start you with this on soil testing. You, over the years, have probably heard the same things that I have when it comes to soil fertility, and it's primarily NPK. I mean, that got drilled into my head when I was a young farmer and young agronomist and everything. It's NPK, NPK, NPK. Don't get me wrong. Those are the primary nutrients, and how we manage those is incredibly important. But let me first say, number one, I don't think we're managing them right, so we'll talk about that a little bit. But two, there are a lot of other things that are super, super important for your profitability. So here's one of the things that I want you to do this fall. So if you get nothing else out of our show today, I want you to take this and do it on your farm because it's going to make you crazy amounts of money. I want you to do soil testing using GPS uh points, and I shouldn't even say grid points, but GPS points, whether you're using grids or zones, I don't care. But what I do care about is that you have a GPS point. So in other words, you drive right to a GPS point and you pull soil cores within about a eight foot radius or something around that. What what we usually do is just drive out there with a pickup, for example, and you just get out of the pickup, you pull two to three cores on one side, two to three cores in the back, two to three cores on the other side, two to three cores in front of the pickup. You dump in the bucket, uh, you throw it in the sample bag, you go. Uh, You got to move because we want to get a lot of testing done in a hurry if we're going to make that happen in the fall. But anyway, here's why you want to do this with GPS. So now you can match that to your yield. People often say, oh, I've got all this yield data and what am I going to do with all this data from the last 10 years or five years or whatever it is? Well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to match up your GPS soil test points with your yield points, and then you correlate yield to all your soil nutrient levels. And what that is then going to show you is, hey, does more phosphorus pay? Or actually on my farm, does less phosphorus pay? Does more potassium pay or less? Does higher pH pay or lower pH? Uh, How about zinc? How about boron? How about copper? All these things. And then by the way, how about the ratios of phosphorus to copper and phosphorus to zinc? What are the right things? All simple, easy stuff. Once you correlate those two things, you throw stuff in an Excel spreadsheet, you hit a trend line button, bam, it shows you, 
Oh, you know what? And now this is a personal example from our farm. More potassium pays. The reason why I wanted to talk to you about this soil testing thing today is this. You undoubtedly have heard that fertilizer prices are way up over last year. Two to three times what they were last year. Yes, it's ridiculous. Yes, I don't like it either. But that does not necessarily mean we have to cut. What we always are going to encourage you to do is invest your dollars wisely. Invest in things that are going to pay you back. Whether it's short term or long term, is it or is it not going to pay you back? And so the the whole point here is, yeah, we can talk all day long about cutting costs. And believe me, I'm all for cutting things that don't make me money. But the last thing you ever want to do on the farm is cut things that are making you money. But the problem is, how do you know if phosphorus is making you money or if zinc is making you money or if boron is making you money unless you start comparing yield to soil test results? As soon as you do that, it's going to open your eyes, I'm going to assume, and you're going to look at some things and go, oh, you know what? I've been spending a bunch of money on this. Mm, fertilizer price is two to three times what it was last year. I think we start cutting that. But then you're going to see something like, again, this is a personal example, on our farm, potassium. And <laughs> I hate to even say this because don't think that I want the potassium price to be higher. But honestly, the potassium price could have been five times higher than what it was last fall when we were applying it. And I still would have spent the money on potassium because our yield charts showed me it was paying. So in other words, when fertilizer's cheap and I've got something like that, you go, oh my God. Goodness, is making me all kinds of money. But even in a year like this year, when potassium is two to three times the price of last fall, it's still making me money. So why why in the world would I cut that? And that's exactly what you got to try to figure out. Now, the problem is, if you're scared about soil tests and you say, oh, I don't know, this is complicated and everything else, then what are you going to do? You're going to probably rely on somebody else or you're just going to guess. And you're going to say, well, we've kind of always done this, so I'm just going to do that. No. I, I, I mean, you can certainly do that, but I'm just saying that's not the way to maximize your profit on the farm. This soil test thing is not that difficult. We will step it through today. So before we get done with the show today, you will have a basic understanding of how to read that soil test. Okay. If you really want to dive in a little bit deeper, come to our free Ag PhD Soils Clinic we're going to have this winter. Uh, or for that matter, you'll you'll even have an opportunity to watch it online if you want. But I'd really encourage you, come to the soils clinic because we will teach you start to finish how to read that soil test. This is tremendously important because unfortunately, there are a lot of people making fertilizer recommendations today that don't even know really how to read the soil test. So we'll go through this as we go throughout the show today. Again, if you've got a question about this or anything else that's happening on your farm, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD or send me an email, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We're talking soil tests next. When you're ready to harvest more corn, Drago is ready to help. The proven Drago Series 2 corn head with automatic self-adjusting deck plates beats competitive brands for harvest efficiency. And the new Drago GT features integrated deck plate ear shocks for unsurpassed yield capture. Harvest more, return more with a Drago Cornhead. For more information on Drago Cornheads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com.
Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD-TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back to Hack DHD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we are talking about soil tests. And I realize when you hear the, the words soil test come out of my mouth, you're probably thinking, oh my goodness, this is probably not the most exciting Ag PhD show ever. But I want to get you excited about this because it's worth an unbelievable amount of money to you if your soil is in good shape both for the short term and for the long term and it really all starts with soil fertility so we're going to talk about that throughout the show today if you want to call in it's 844-44-AG-PHD uh, first on we got Tony Wendler calling uh, he is with Farm Shop MFG Tony normally we're talking to you about grain bins or let's say it's uh, opening and closing discs and that kind of stuff but uh Today, we're talking soil testing. So you got any comments for us on soil testing? I tell you what I am most excited about with soil testing is the science that uh, you and Darren are bringing to uh, soil testing, going out there with the the one-acre grid, looking back at the results coming through your combine, and uh, that's the thing that uh, excites me the most about uh having a conversation with you guys and looking at the studies. The only thing on my part is as a small farmer, I talked to some of the companies over here that I would have do my grid sampling and I can't get anybody over here very excited to, uh, to do it with the GPS point and, and uh, the way you guys are applying it. But uh, I see the science. I see the value. If you've got thousands of acres, it's big bucks. You know, you uh, you can just start putting math to it as to uh, the uh, both the cost of the fertilizer and the uh, the return through the uh, bushel through your combine, how that's going to work. And the more acres you got, the better the math is. Well, Tony, I'm glad you so used it, the word science because that's what we're always trying to make farming more about 
is the science. And if we're able to use some of this data that we've got over on the other side talking about yield and now correlate it directly to some of the practices we're using, I mean, it's it's fairly simple. You just look at, okay, well, what, what's the trend line telling me? Is it good or is it bad? Should I spend money on that or should I not? Uh, so one thing I was going to bring up to you is the grain quality aspect. So we're often talking to you about grain quality and how we maintain that, and, and we appreciate your, your bin monitoring devices and all that kind of thing. But aren't you finding that if a field is well fertilized, and then we have better grain quality, which means we have fewer problems in that bin, or put it another way, we can store that grain longer without all the worry? Yes, you know, hands down, yes. If you've got, uh, it's a lot of things coming together, uh, including the uh, the fertilization and uh, how you've taken care of that crop. But if you get to the end of the year and you've got some good quality test weight grain, and uh, you're you're handling it in a, a way that you've got good moisture components like that, it's going to store better. If uh, in contrast you ended up with some lighter test weight. It doesn't store as well. You are you are predisposed to a higher risk of mold and uh, everything else that uh, it's not going to store as long. And if you've got a bin full of that, you want to be thinking about that's probably the first one I want to get rid of. Well, even in a year like this year where we've got drought in our area, we can blame drought drought all day long. But let's face it, if we're going to remain non-irrigated, which we don't have much choice because we got solid granite below us, we can't irrigate. Uh, then we got to look at, all right, how do we survive in these kind of conditions? And that's where, you know, it, it again comes back to soil testing and how we fertilize because we don't want to be victims here. We got to figure out, all right, how do we best handle things in our circumstances? Tony, any last comments you got for us on soil testing or anything else today? The, um, the only thing I'd, I'd throw out to people right now as we're coming into harvest that, uh, Start thinking about the economics of uh, fan controls on uh, beans are the uh, beans are the big crop where there's huge advantages to either dry it down like you're a fan or if the the year gets ahead of you and you're dealing with uh, dry beans to bring moisture back the uh, economics are tremendous you're looking like on, on a bin the payments uh, you put a control on your bin you probably got options to to uh, triple your money in one season. So it's people look at these things as kind of expensive. They're not. The technology is is easy the way we're analog. We're not the fancy stuff going to your cell phone. It works excellent. I have farmers refer to it as uh, simple and effective. The um, Yeah, I was so just I, I was just in a nutshell. Yep, I was just going to say I I I can't stress this enough to all farmers. We really encourage you to take a look at bin fan controls, something we've been doing in our farm for quite a while. It's made us all kinds of money by being able to control what that moisture is coming out. So again, it's rather than being a victim of, oh, well, my corn just, or my beans just got really dry or, oh, they're too wet and I had some spoilage. I mean, there are some simple solutions that don't cost that much money. So anyway, that's Tony Wendler. He's with Farm Shop MFG. You can just go to Farm Shop MFG to check out more of what he's doing. Tony, thanks for being on the show today. Appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. You Bye. too. All right, next we got Reed Abbott on with us. He is with AgriLiquid. Hey, Reed, how are you? 
Doing fine, Brian. How are you doing today? Excellent. All right. So our topic today is soil testing. What would you like to talk about when it comes to soil testing? Because obviously there are a lot of different directions we can go here. You bet. You bet. Well, I mean, as a, as a fertilizer company and an agronomist in that fertilizer company, um, I'm always going to promote a guy doing a complete soil test. Um, you know, guys a lot of times will fixate on some of those major nutrients. Um, but when you really, when it really comes down to it, um, taking a look at the, at the levels of all of your nutrients and how those nutrients interact together, uh, can, can very much dictate how you're going to fertilize or, or, uh, appropriately portion those nutrients out on every acre. Yeah, absolutely. Because like you mentioned, you're a fertilizer company, obviously you want to sell fertilizer, but when you sell the right fertilizer to the farmer on the right acre, it makes the farmer all kinds of money. And I mean, that's what we're all after. That's what we're really talking about here. Very much so. Yeah. We, we don't want to sell you something you don't need, but we want to make sure that what you do need, you can get and, and that it does you the, the, the biggest bang for your buck. Okay. So let's talk about maybe one or two nutrients, plant nutrients that you've been talking to farmers about here quite a bit over the last couple of years that not a lot of people are thinking about. So the average guy is just talking N, P, and K, and maybe it is one of those things. But, I mean, what really stands out to you that you've been highlighting with farmers that not everybody's discussing? Well, I mean, I guess the next big one would be sulfur. And, I, I mean, that's not necessarily a new thing. Uh, for most guys, I mean, it is in the industry, but but a lot of your your bigger guys that have, have been striving for those higher yields have been trying to manage their sulfur. Um, on top of that, you know, zinc uh, and how those relate to your phosphorus levels and and uh, you know really where a guy is uh, zinc wise uh, is, is important. I mean, that would be I, I guess number one micronutrient. But then if you go all the way down to to the I guess, smallest micronutrient boron, um, really managing those boron applications and the timing of those boron applications um, because it's a leachable nutrient and something that we need perhaps later on in that crop's uh, life cycle. Um, guys are, are experimenting and, and trying new ways of, of getting that boron on and finding a lot of, uh, of great success with it, I believe. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. There are a lot of different ways to put fertilizer on. You can do it with the planter. You can do it with the sprayer. You could, let's say, drop it in later. You could inject it. You could spray it foliar. So lots of things you can do. And with the agro-liquid products and all your different liquid options you have, and I know you have a bunch of different blends and, and straight goods and everything else. So anyway, again, we've been talking to Reed Abbott. He's with Agroliquid. We'd encourage you to check out their website, agroliquid.com, correct, Reed? Yes, sir. I appreciate it, Brian. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, when we start talking about soil testing, I I, I know that the focus is always going to be on N, P, and K, but Reed mentioned boron. He mentioned zinc. He mentioned sulfur. Those are just three of the other nutrients that we would encourage you to test for on a regular basis. And so when we go throughout the show here today or yet in the show today, we'll talk about some nutrients that are leachable versus those that are not. And when should you be testing in certain cases? We'll get to that coming up on Ag PhD Radio. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. 
To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. Agbiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther power in your tank. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here. We're talking soil tests today on the show. And again, I would just really encourage you, if you don't know how to read a soil test, please learn it. If you want to learn it for free, you can come to one of our Ag PhD soils clinics this coming winter. Or you can watch one of our soils clinics online this winter. We'll have that option for you as well. So let's just talk through a few of these items on the soil test. So when you look at the soil test, the first thing that I want you to take a look at is soil pH. Now, there are different levels that certain crops succeed. So just as an example, I would tell you if you're raising alfalfa, you want to get that soil pH close to 7 or even just a hair over 7, and that's where typically yield is or tonnage is maximized. So alfalfa likes a little higher pH than corn, for example. There are a lot of really great corn producers that want their pH in the low sixes, 
personally, I would like it around 6.3, maybe 6.5, something like that. With soybeans, probably in the middle of that. And we usually talk about 6.3 to 6.8. Wheat is fairly similar. So the thing is, with soil pH, it's not just about that crop. And, oh, alfalfa or whatever crop likes this pH for some reason. It's also about we have to think about our nutrients. So we're talking plant nutrients quite a bit today. And I'll just say this. If you've got your soil pH closer to 6, you're going to have many nutrients that are going to be higher in availability. Let's say that it is uh, copper, boron, iron, zinc, manganese especially, you might see a little bit higher level show up in the plant than if, let's say, you had a soil pH of 8. So when you get your pH out of that range of 6 to 7, then a lot of times you'll find a drop-off with one or more nutrients in availability. And let me give you just a couple examples of why. So phosphorus, if you get to a high pH soil, like let's say it's 8, A lot of times phosphorus isn't super available, and you might be wondering, well, why is that? Well, part of the reason is calcium is very available a lot of times in high pH soils, and you'll get what's called calcium phosphate. So calcium will bind with phosphate that's sitting there in the soil, and it'll make it unavailable to plants because calcium phosphate is insoluble in water. It doesn't dissolve in water, so if it doesn't dissolve in water, it can't get into the plant. We have similar tie-up issues with phosphorus in low pH soils, very low pH, where it might be tied up with aluminum or iron. So that's why you want to try to get that soil pH most of the time in the 6 to 7 range. And it's not that difficult to change soil pH when you're trying to raise it. You just put lime on. If you've got a high pH, then we have to look at what's the cause of that high pH. Could be High magnesium, could be high salts, could be high sodium. I mean, there are a lot of high, well, anyway, I'll just say this. If you get a high pH soil, it absolutely can be fixed as well if you want to. It just takes time and costs some money. But anyway, that's diving a little bit deeper into it. So we start with that soil pH. After that, we want you to take a look at your cation exchange capacity. That's basically telling you how heavy your soil is. And the reason why we like having that number, because there will be people that will say, oh, you don't have to get a cation exchange capacity test. No, you don't. But the problem is when you're talking to somebody like me and you tell me you have a heavy soil, well, what does that mean? So, uh, and same thing with, well, what's a light soil? I'll give you an example. Okay, so normally with cation exchange capacity, we will say, if you're less than 10, we're going to call that a lighter soil. If you're a 10 to 20 cation exchange capacity, or CEC for short, 10 to 20, we'll call that a medium textured soil, and over 20, we'll call that a heavy soil, maybe even really heavy if you start getting 25 plus. But anyway, I was in Canada uh, probably three years ago, and I had a farmer showing me a soil test. And he goes, yeah, here's my, uh, here's my light soil. And it was a 33 cation exchange capacity. I go, that's not light soil. That's super heavy soil. And he goes, well, it's my light soil. Exactly. That's the whole point. So we just want to have an idea. Is it actually heavy? Is it light? What is it? So that's part of the reason why we want cation exchange capacity. So we have an idea 
can that soil hold nitrogen? Can it hold uh, water? And, and we manage nutrients maybe a little bit differently because of all that. Okay, so we'll continue talking more about the details of some of these soil tests right now. We've got Alan Perry on with us. He is from out in Maine, and he's with Farm Technologies Network. Alan, how are you today? Oh, pretty good. A little bit wet. We're getting some much-needed rain today. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we need about another 20 inches of rain here over the next six months, but uh, just to build up that soil profile for next year, no, we probably don't need that much, but we've been really, really short for over a year now. Anyway, we're talking soil tests today, Alan, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, out in your state of Maine, what are the, the top nutrients that farmers are taking a look at um, and, and I realize NP and K are going to be right at the top of the list, but, uh, I mean, for everybody, but are, are, is there anything in particular that stands out as you talk to farmers in the rest of, uh, Canada or the United States where you say, boy, we've got this issue and not a lot of other people do? Um, well, th- we, uh, are primarily a potato and small grain area here in Northern Maine. Uh, and lack of magnesium is one of the issues that we spend a lot of time with. Um, people are used to looking at calcium, magnesium in regard to pH and not so much uh, in regard to a fertilizer nutrient that we just need for the crop. Yep. So is it low magnesium because it's light soil? Uh, yes. Our uh, exchange capacities here are 5 to 11, maybe 5 to 12 uh, TEC, and uh, we often... Uh, don't have enough magnesium in that soil to grow a crop of potatoes. Okay, so because of that light soil, I assume then that's forcing you to do a lot more spoon feeding with nitrogen, sulfur, and boron, the leachable nutrients, correct? Uh, Yes, especially boron. Uh, A lot of the folks are not really used to using that, and they're a little bit uh, frightened of it, so uh, they're too timid with the amounts that they use and when to use it. (laughs) All right, so what would you recommend then when you start talking about amounts? How timid are they? How low are they trying to go? And when would you suggest you put boron on for the best results in your crops of potatoes and small grain? Well, the, the primary symptom of the boron deficiency in potatoes would be uh, a hollow spot in the middle, uh, a hollow stem on the broccoli. Uh, and so um, to get that fixed, we need to be ideally 1.5 parts per million, and oftentimes we're at a 0.3 or 0.4 parts per million. Um, we are adding boron as quickly as we can so long as the calcium levels are good. Um, and one of the boron experts is in Prince Edward Island, uh, written a nice book on boron and, and crop production. Um, and he recommends sometimes as much as five pounds actual boron per acre, but you have to know what you're doing to be that aggressive. So when you're putting that much, if a person was to put that much on in your lighter soils, five to 12 CEC, are you able to hold much of that into the next year? Because we know boron's not as leachable as nitrate, but that's also pretty light soil. Yes, and we have a lot of snow uh, here in northern Maine, which uh, has a tendency to leach that out. Uh, okay. But in over over a five- or six-year period, we can nicely build those uh, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 parts per million boron up to one. Um, so, yes, we can hold it, and... And we don't have to be perfect to make a huge difference in the shape of the potatoes 
uh, and the quality of the potatoes. Do you do any foliar feeding with that boron, or is it soil applied where you're getting the best results? Uh, we're doing both. Uh, we, we apply uh, about half of it uh, as a dry granular mixed with our fertilizer program. Yep. And then as long as the calcium levels are adequate, we uh, spoon feed uh, with our sprayer program during the summer for about another half of it. All right. Well, we've been talking to Alan Perry. He is with Farm Technologies Network out of Maine. Uh, Hey, Alan, this was great. We always love having you on the show. Maybe next time we'll have a little more time for you on the show. Uh, But uh, thanks a lot for the information. Really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks. You bet. Thank you. Yeah, Alan brought up a good point there. With boron, a lot of people get scared. And he mentioned the big key, make sure you have enough calcium in your soil. If your calcium levels are over, say, 65% in the base saturation test, usually that boron can be pretty safe. But still, we always have to be a little careful about how much actual boron we're putting out. We'll talk more about that coming up next on Ag PhD Radio. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Farming is probably the most natural thing for a person to do. It taught me how to take pride in my work, how to put something ahead of myself. Whether it was getting up early to feed the livestock or working late to bring in the harvest. Farming taught me to give it my best, no matter the job. My name is Tanner. I'm a farmer. I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. When it comes to harvest, every kernel counts. And nothing captures more kernels than the new Drago GT or the proven Drago Series 2 corn heads. 
Both have automatic self-adjusting deck plates, and the new Drago GT features quad suspension deck plate ear shocks for even greater harvest efficiency. Nothing in the field captures more yield. For more information on Drago corn heads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here. We're broadcasting today from the Morton studio. Just about to get into corn and soybean grain harvest on our farm here over the next couple of weeks. Been doing some silage. It's been really variable on our farm. Anywhere from 15 tons to over 35 tons to the acre. So we got a lot of really good corn, but we also have a lot that was in sand or hilltops or just whatever. We newer ground maybe that we hadn't built up as well as we should yet. And so it's been so dry here that's really, really hurt us. But I guess I've been telling people we kind of have to be thankful that we're getting what we're getting because all the varieties, corn and soybeans that we used to have 20, 30 years ago, they wouldn't have been able to handle this drought and heat the way that our varieties are today. Plus, I think we're all smarter as farmers and we're doing a better job with things like fertility. That's our topic here on the show today. So I just wanted to run through a few more soil test things with you. And then uh, in our last segment of the day, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag and your questions. But I was talking earlier about soil pH. Look at that first. Then look at cation exchange capacity. Then go to soil organic matter. Now, a couple of interesting things with soil organic matter. First of all, for every 1% of soil organic matter you have, so let's say you raise your soil organic matter level 1%, your soil will be able to hold roughly 4% more water. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but let's say that over the next 20 years, you just set your mind to it that, look, I'm going to try to increase my soil organic matter as much as I can, and you raise it by two points, and that's possible. Well, that means 8% more water holding capacity. Would that be a big deal in a year like this year in our region of the United States where we've been just bone dry? You bet it would. That'd mean a lot more yield. Plus, when you have more organic matter in your soil, your soil will also be able to release more nutrients. It'll hold more and release more. For example, we often talk about in our area, we usually figure 20 to 30 pounds of nitrogen for every 1% of organic matter. So let's say I had 5% organic matter, that'd be 100 to 150 pounds of nitrogen you will get out of your soil every year for free. It's pretty awesome. Now, here's the other thing that I want you to think about, carbon credits. Yes, you may not be a believer in the whole carbon credit deal. You may not be a believer in global warming or the fact that a lot of people want to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide in the air. But the point here is simply this. There are going to be companies willing to pay you a lot of money for what they call carbon offsets moving forward. And what that really means is that you're able to sequester or put more carbon into the ground than what you're releasing up into the air. And you can do that by building soil organic matter. So like I just said, it's a great thing for your soil. It also makes your soil more porous, more forgiving. Typically, we see more organic matter means higher yields in most cases, not in all, but in most cases. So that's what this carbon credit thing is going to mean in the future. People are going to be willing to pay you to make your soil better. So it sounds like a good deal to me. All right, base saturation is the next thing. A lot of people will say, oh, I don't, I don't get a base saturation test or I don't really need that. No, you need a base saturation test, and here's why. 
we often talk about two things when it comes to soil nutrients. It's the amount, but then it's also the balance. Well, when you say balance of nutrients, that's where, quite frankly, we lose a lot of people. They go, oh, that just sounds way too complicated. How do I figure that out? Well, it really starts with base saturation. It's pretty simple. It's just a ratio of these five nutrients to each other. Sodium, hydrogen, calcium, magnesium, and potassium. We are just talking to Alan Perry a little bit ago, and he mentioned calcium and magnesium. And I also mentioned with boron, we want to see the base saturation test have more than 65% calcium. That tells you that in ratio, your calcium is pretty good when it's in that range of 65 to 75, maybe even up to 80, something like that. Magnesium, usually we're talking 12% up to 20%. So it's not that complicated. When it starts getting out of that range, if it's too low, then you start seeing magne magnesium deficiencies when it's below 12. When it's above 20, then we start seeing more tie-up with nutrients like potassium. We start seeing poor drainage in soils. It's just not good for your overall health of the crop. It also takes a little more nitrogen to produce the same crop and your magnesium levels are really high. So there are reasons why we want to get those things in that range. With potassium, I can show you data from our farm and from other farms where we, we've been able to prove, hey, if, unless you get your ratio of, of potassium up, it's not enough to say, oh, I have 200 parts per million or maybe 300 or whatever. That is not enough necessarily. You got to make sure your potassium is also in ratio to other nutrients. So just look at your base saturation test. It should be in the range of 4% to 8% in almost all soils. With hydrogen, we usually want that in the range of 2 to 10%. That tells us that our soil pH will be somewhere in the range of 6.3 to 6.8. And with sodium, we always want that less than 1%. If it's getting above 1% on sodium, eventually that ends up killing our soil. Sodium is good in moderation, just like most nutrients. It's good in moderation, but boy, you start getting much higher than 1% on sodium, you get a real problem. All right, so we, we've spent a lot of time talking about soil tests. I talked about soil pH, cation exchange capacity, organic matter, base saturation. How much time did we really focus on NP and K? Well, we didn't even talk about nitrogen or phosphorus yet. And with potassium, um, I only spent a little bit of time, and it was more about the ratio as opposed to the parts per million. So anyway, you can see just from the way we look at things, it's not just all about NP and K. All these other factors are tremendously important as well. And again, I just really encourage you, attend one of our soils clinics, and we'll teach you how to read the soil test for free. And then you'll know how to do that all the time in the future. So if nothing else, you help keep your fertilizer dealer or whoever else is making recommendations to you honest and also, you challenge them a little bit to say, hey, I, I, I'm concerned about this issue. What do I do about this? And you move on. Anyway, when we talk nitrogen, we're big believers in put some nitrogen out early, but you got to be careful about what you're doing and when. What I mean by that is the heavier your soil and the less rainfall you have, the more nitrogen you could put on up front. But the lighter your soil and the more rainfall you've got, uh, then you've got to be real careful about when you're putting that nitrogen on because your soil can only hold so much. And the last thing you want to do is put nitrogen on and then lose it. That's not good. Uh, that's a waste of money. Okay, with phosphorus. Yes, the phosphorus level is really important. And quite often we do see that phosphorus levels are limiting because we end up looking at maybe field averages. I want you to think about your highest yielding areas. Look at the, the best yield on the farm and then say, you know what, maybe I can learn from where's my best yield and what were my 
soil test levels there. And then also look at the nutrient removal from that. When you start talking big time yields, 250 or 300 bushel corn or 80 or 100 bushel beans or 100, 120 bushel wheat, you pull a lot of nutrients out. Don't forget about those really high yielding areas. You got to keep pushing it. And a lot of times it's phosphorus that ends up being the first thing that ends up being short because we just simply don't apply enough there. The other thing we've really found here in the last couple of years with phosphorus is the ratio of phosphorus to zinc and phosphorus to copper. And I shouldn't even say the last couple, probably the last five or 10. We've been looking at this a lot harder. But like for us, what we have found in a lot of soils is that phosphorus to zinc ratio, probably somewhere around 10 to 1 phosphorus to zinc. And with phosphorus to copper, probably somewhere around 30 to 1 phosphorus to copper. If you start getting outside that or very far away from that ratio, that ideal ratio, you'll see yields start going down. We've seen that, you know, both if the ratio is too high or if the ratio is too low. So you can't just look at phosphorus on its own. You want to compare it to copper and you want to compare it to zinc always. With sulfur, the biggest problem we have is we have clean air today. In the United States and Canada, if you look at the amount of sulfur raining down from the sky, it's dramatically less than it was 30 and 50 years ago. So that means... Number one, we got to apply more sulfur because we have less get, that we're getting for free. But two, our yields are a lot higher as well. So take a look at sulfur. It's a really important nutrient. With micronutrients, we often talk zinc, manganese, iron, copper, boron. Look at all of them. I, I talked already about phosphorus to zinc, phosphorus to copper. Those are the two big things there. With iron, we always want to see that level above our manganese levels. And manganese, I was just talking to some guys yesterday about this because they were asking me about white mold. And I said, hey, have you looked at your manganese levels? And they said, no, what's the difference? And I said, well, manganese is really important to the plant, number one. But number two, if you have good manganese levels, we often find you have less sclerotinia white mold. So if you're having white mold problems, go soil test there. Take a look at your manganese levels. I'm going to bet you you're probably short. Get more manganese, and you should be in better shape. And anyway, we talked a little about boron already. Don't be scared of boron. You need some boron. It'll help your cornier fill out to the end and many other things. All right, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag coming up right after this. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. Nothing waits for a farmer. Not the weather, the banker, the crops. It's never at a farmer's convenience. So when it comes to crop protection savings programs, how come they get to ask you to wait for a rebate? Don't wait for rebates. Get the True Choice offer from Corteva AgriScience for instant upfront savings on crop protection products. Ask your local Pioneer sales representative or your crop protection retailer about the True Choice offer from Corteva. But don't wait. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. 
precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Ag PhD has one mission give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. It's about time. Applied at planting, new Zyway 3D fungicide from FMC delivers foliar disease protection from planting to harvest. Active ingredient flutriophol moves from the soil through the corn as it grows for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. For season-long protection, choose first-of-its-kind Enfuro Zyway 3D fungicide. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. All right, we've been talking soil tests on the show today, and we've gotten a lot of emails in here, questions about just fertility in general. So let's start with this one from Matt in East Tennessee. He says, I've been applying 15,000 gallons per acre of dairy manure this fall through a drag line, and it's incorporated. I am just wondering, I've attached a sample here, with applying 15,000 gallons, does this mean I'm applying a 180-100-325? And how available are these nutrients for next year's crop? I've had an agronomist tell me it's broken down over time. My soils are 8 to 10 CEC, 3 to 4% organic matter, and my goals are 25-ton corn silage with a double crop of sorghum Sudan, and I want 10 tons out of that. Okay, so... First of all, Matt, I would just say I'd really like to see your soil tests. And the reason why I say that is because this is only telling me part of the story. This is showing me what you're putting on, but I don't know what your soil already has, so I don't know what you necessarily need or you don't need. But I'll tell you this. When I look at your, your manure test, here's what I'm seeing. So first of all, it says total nitrogen, you're getting 23 pounds for every 1,000 gallons. So I multiply that 23 times 15, that's 345 total pounds of nitrogen you're putting in the soil. The problem is there's ammonium nitrogen and there's organic nitrogen. The ammonium nitrogen is almost 100% available in year one, and you got 12.8 of that or 192 pounds of that. So I would say you got at least 192 pounds of nitrogen that's going to be there and going to be there fairly soon. The organic nitrogen, usually we figure about a third of that comes available at some point during the growing season. So it won't be available day one, but it will at some point come available, leaving the rest of it to come available in future years, some of it next year, some of it the year after. Okay, so what I'm saying is if you're thinking you got 180 pounds of nitrogen there, I would tell you you've got at least that. I, I mean, if it was my farm, I'd probably be figuring more like 210. 
All right, phosphorus. That one, usually we figure about 80% of it is going to be first year available. So you got about 117 pounds that you're putting on out there, uh, or I, I'd even figure, let's say two-thirds. So you've got roughly 80, 85, uh, 75, somewhere in that kind of range, pounds of phosphate that's going to be available. And then the last thing is potassium. Usually we figure about 90% of that's going to come available. So if you got 360 pounds you're applying, that means 325 pounds will be available the first year roughly. So that's the big one that we would say, you know what, for the crops you're talking about, um, you're, you're getting a lot out there. But the thing is, when we start talking about corn yield and and some of our grains, that's whole different than when we start talking about what you're suggesting, which is corn silage and sorghum sudan that you're going to cut. When you start taking the whole plant off, you do remove a lot of potassium, so it's pretty good getting those nutrients out there. So yeah, it just looks to me like uh, you're going to be in fairly decent shape for nitrogen, at least for your first crop, your double crop of sorghum sudan, you might need a little more yet. Phosphorus, you you should be okay, but you know it's really hard to say based on what your soil test is looking like. And then on that potassium, 325 pounds sounds like a lot, but it can really vary what ends up going into that silage and sorghum sedan. So you could certainly have that tested and then get a little more accurate level of uh, what is getting pulled off pulled off from the field. All right, next one is from Ankit, who asks, uh, can we use gypsum to maintain high, high pH? All right, so gypsum is calcium sulfate that is pH neutral. The only way that your pH is going to change is if you really needed more calcium or if you really needed more sulfur to make some nutrients, let's say, a little bit more available, and then your pH over time could potentially change. But yeah, most of the time we do talk about gypsum maintaining pH, not necessarily changing it, at least in the short term. Next one here is from Tony, who says, are there any resources available that would help a producer determine if there is any effect on soil health when it comes to different sources of nitrogen. I'd be interested in hearing a discussion on the topic. Well, Tony, a lot of people have said over the years, you know, anhydrous is really hard on the microbes in the soil. And it is initially day one in a very, very, very small area. But the world record corn producer 20 years ago was using anhydrous. So the way I kind of look at it is, was it really that bad for his soil? He was building soil organic matter. He was raising tremendous yields. I don't know. I have a difficult time believing any source of nitrogen is that hard on your soil health as long as you're using that nitrogen and you're not putting on 10 times too much or anything like that. So think about it this way. In a foot of soil, you've got roughly 4 million pounds of soil, and air is roughly, I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but I'm going to say 70% nitrogen. So my point is you got a great big soil. The air that's even flowing through that soil already contains a bunch of nitrogen, and we're putting a little bit of nitrogen out there, you know, maybe a couple 300 pounds in 4 million pounds in your top foot, it's probably not going to make a tremendous amount of difference. So I, 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 that's the way I'd leave that. All right, next one is from Richard in Texas. He says, hi, we grow Bermuda grass for hay. Got sandy soil with a CEC of one or less. And he says, that is not a typo. 
CEC of one. Okay, so that's super, super sandy ground. Anyway, he says we have to spoon feed nutrients throughout the growing season, usually four applications and four hay cuttings. In the spring and early summer when the rains are frequent, we apply UAN. Is there a liquid potassium product I can mix with UAN that will meet the high K requirements for Bermuda grass, 75 units per cutting based on crop removal, or should I just stick with granular 0060? Um, well, there there certainly are some K products out there. We were just talking to Reed Abbott a little bit earlier in the show. I, I know for AgriLiquid, they've got several liquid potassium sources. One we use on our farm, for example, is SureK. So you could certainly talk to them or any other liquid fertilizer company. Yes, there are sources you can use. I'm not saying... Uh, to completely go away from the 0060, maybe you want to continue to do some of that. We kind of look at 0060 as more of a controlled release product. It's not going to be fully available day one. And like in our dry area of the country, it's sometimes not available till year three. So I, I, I like the 060 because it, it is stretched out in its availability and it is relatively inexpensive, but liquids are also a good way to go to supplement things. So, yeah, I would encourage you to do something there for liquid, especially with that super light soil. All right, next question is from Rhett down in Louisiana. He says, can you help me identify what's causing these soybean pods to be really small and just single bean in the pods? So he sent me a picture here of what it looks like. He says, I am suspecting some type of nutrient deficiency. Rhett, my suggestion is, can you please send us a soil test where those bean pods came from? We would really like to take a look at that, and then maybe we can help you. When you say Louisiana, right away I'm thinking the same thing that Richard just said from down in Texas where he's at, lighter soil. When in Louisiana, you also have a tremendous amount of rainfall compared to what we do. So my assumption is maybe we have some of the leachable nutrients that are disappearing on us, like sulfur and boron, but also potassium can leach in lighter soil too and with lots and lots of rainfall. So yeah, it very well could be a nutrient deficiency. It's just I don't know exactly what that's going to be. My guess is it's probably several different things. Send us your soil test. We'll take a look at it and let you know what we think. All right. Next one is from Gordon in Michigan. He is wondering, what's the equivalent rate for Power Max 3 if I was going to use 32 ounces of 4-pound 41% glyphosate? Okay, so there is this new Power Max 3. And let me just first tell you Power Max 3 compared to the old Power Max. Power Max 3 is 30 ounces and in comparison to 32 ounces of the old Power Max. So for many of our listeners, they're familiar with what Power Max was. They were used to using it at 32 ounces. And so then Power Max 3 would be just 30 ounces. So it's a little bit more concentrated. Okay, so when we start figuring 32 ounces of 4-pound glyphosate, then right away, here I'm just going to run the math real quick, uh, it was roughly two-thirds. Uh, so if I, let's say, take that times two-thirds, that would give me 21.33 on old Power Max. And for new Power Max, that would equate to right at 20 ounces. So for your four pound glyphosate, I would just use 20 ounces of the new Power Max 3 and that'll get you awfully close. 
All right, before we go, I just want to say thanks to our production staff. I had my sister Janelle running the controls for me again today. And uh, thanks to everybody who called into the show. And thanks to everyone who wrote in with questions as well. We appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.